beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, through the shedding of his blood, according to the riches of his grace, that you have lavished upon us, this fullness that comes, and then to send the empowerment and the comfort and the grace and the person of God the Holy Spirit upon your church, that we might be clothed with power from on that we might be under your authority, under your guidance, and lead our days to the praise of the glory of your grace. Oh Lord, for such blessing, beyond blessing, this fullness, grace upon grace, we give you praise and give you honor and give you glory. And whatever is holding us back from any of the fullness that you have for us, oh Lord, hear our prayer and break it that all the more we might be the recipients of what you have for us. And we pray this in great expectation, in Jesus' name.
the empowerment, the authority he has, the authority given to him, he is now putting upon them, which we later see is the authority of the Holy Spirit given to the disciples, that they might go out and do what he has done. <coughs> to go before them, says Luke 10. It's, a, it's the ability to go out and preach the kingdom, heal the sick, and raise the dead, and cast out leper. What he's doing is he's training them. He's teaching them something. But the principle begins, as it always begins, freely you received, freely gave. Now, again, I beg you to hear this from me, is that when we come to a moment like this, the culture that we live in and the culture of the kingdom of this world is all about me. And so it's only the first half freely we receive. And when we're done receiving, freely we receive. When we're done receiving, freely we receive. You want something? Go get it yourself. Freely we receive. <laughs> the baby is mine. I'm storing, I'm hoarding, I'm building, and, uh, and, and, and go me, go God. In that order. <laughs> so, so what's missing here is obviously we've got some components that are very much systemic in our passage that show us that this life of the Holy Spirit has come upon us. That having received the life of the cross, the blood, the cleansing, the, the death of self, the, the, the resurrection of Easter morning, we're very deeply, profoundly aware that there's more. The Lord just doesn't send us, just doesn't just send us to get, He sends us to give. And so there is this understanding that we are being baptized into the body of Christ, that the body of Christ is real that we're not alone, that we're together people. The second is, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. And that's what he does. He is going to bestow upon us the comfort. I'm not going to leave you as orphan. I am one to my Father. I am sending you the comfort. I am sending you the Holy Spirit. And we know he's doing that. And the third component that's also systemic in our scripture is the devil himself, the adversary. Did you hear in our scripture Ephesians 4, 11, 16. You remember that piece where he says, as a result, we are no longer to be children. Tossed to and fro, here and there, by ways, carried out by the wind and the doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Who does that? Who's always the one that brings division to the church? Who's the one that distorts the gospel in the church? Don't tell me when the preacher gets up and gives us another gospel that it's the preacher giving us another gospel. Who's behind the preacher? Giving us this gospel. Which is why I think Jeff Bradley said we're not dealing with just simply people who are academically off. We're dealing with principalities and powers. We're not dealing with flesh and blood. And that's why Paul warned us of these things. And what's the devil always done? He's always distorted the word. Always. When did he start that? In Genesis 3. What did God really say? What did God really mean? He has been twisting and distorting that from the beginning. You'll find that in Galatians 1. Who is robbing you of this gospel? Who is distorting? Who is disturbing? Who is twisting it from you? 2 Corinthians 11. I'm afraid as the serpent deceived Eve, so your minds are being led astray by another gospel, another Jesus, a different spirit. Which is why you have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, rectors, and, and priests, and pastors, and deacons, because we are to guard the truth, guard the faith. So that the people of God don't get bad supply into their veins. Uncompromised, undiluted, real medicine for the soul that not only cures us, but empowers us as ambassadors to go forth. Yes? Yes. yes. Of course, yes. 
business is he doesn't want us to receive the fullness of this gospel. And so what you're going to find when he's hanging around is a diminished doctrine of the body of Christ, a diminished understanding of the Holy Spirit, and a diminished understanding of the work of the devil against the church. These are always three things that are diminished. Because through these, that is to say, the power of the Spirit in the body of Christ resting on the Word of God with the pastors helping to equip and empower and mature us. We have the ability to withstand the fire of of the evil one. The ability to have the wisdom we talked about last night to discern good and evil. And so what Jesus teaches us is the way that we go about this is to learn the kingdom principle freely perceived, freely given. Does that make sense to you so far? So, so before I go too much on this, let me tell you the gift, so you can see it in real time. The gift that Bill Wilson, Sam Schumacher, and others gave us when they gave us the 12 steps. Why do I say it like that? Because it came out of the Bible. And even though it belongs to the secular world, and it's been secularized, so it's to help all people who are caught in these things, it belongs to us. And the first three principles that I can summarize them, <laughs> are very simple. It's all about the same posture of receiving. And the first one is this. I'm powerless. Over the, over the, over the, over the addiction I've got, I'm powerless. Over the world of flesh and I'm powerless. I am utterly dependent on another power. Derivative. Not with the name, derivative. I'm dependent, not independent. And I submit and surrender myself.
with an offering to the presence of the Holy God. Because the Lord said, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Without the cross to come, there's no forgiveness. And already at the inception of creation, days after the door of Eden closed, faith was given. Hebrews 11, faith was given to Abel. He knew how to approach the Holy God. Cain also. But Cain chose to do it based on himself. The works of his hand. The works of the flesh. And always the two have been intention. And so Cain rises and kills his father. And that's the story of the flesh and the spirit from that point on. And you'll notice it's not just the world and the church. It's inside the church. And hence you find the prophets are always persecuted, diminished. The ables of life who say, no, it's not about I can, it's about I can't. Does that make sense? So, for example, the great King Jehoshaphat. Second Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 5. That was the story. King Jehoshaphat, an army too big for him. They're going to die. They don't know what to do. Panic and fear enter the heart. They lift up the prayer. Lord, we are powerless in front of the great Lord. Our eyes are upon you. See that? Already in the Old Testament, you've got this reliance upon the Lord to do. Not that we can do. And that's why you find dynamic faith in the Old Testament. Converting faith. Not just the circumcision of the flesh, the circumcision of the heart. That's why you find dynamic relationship with the Lord in the Old Testament. This is why you have the echoes, and I'm sure some of you memorized this. Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He will make straight your path. See, that's derivative. It's, it's, it's reliance upon the Lord, not reliance upon us, our understanding, our mind, our ability. And that's always undergirding the, the, the stories of life. Testament. And what you find in the Old Testament is also a hope that one day Messiah is going to come. And one day Messiah is going to come, and it won't be just the priests that are ordained in the power of the Spirit to serve, and not just the kings who are ordained in the power of the Spirit to serve, and not just the prophets who are ordained in the Spirit to serve, and not just the judges who are ordained in the Spirit to serve, but oh, would that all the Lord's people would be prophets, and the Spirit of God would rest upon all of them. Do you believe that promise is true? Joel did. Joel said one day it's going to happen. The Spirit of God is going to fall on all flesh. Zechariah is going to say, not by, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. See, the beauty of this whole story of the Old Testament, I love that phrase, that's crazy. He's <laughs> <laughs> something listening. Anyway. <laughs> Receiving will be empowered to be able to give. 
Freely you receive, freely give. This is, this is how he teaches it. And when he teaches it, when he gives the Holy Spirit to them, he tells them to go out, listen to how he says it. I am sending you out as lambs amidst the wolves.
spirit of God is upon us. The word of God is a foundation for us. And out of us is still in life. I am, am so surprised that we get so caught up in ourselves because there's nothing about the character of the Lord. It is only about himself. <laughs> the dynamic of his character that I love so much in the way Jesus said, I did not come to be served. I come to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And the more we grow in the Lord, the more we realize that we are not people who live for ourselves, but we live for him who died and rose on our behalf. And he calls us. I don't, know, I don't know how you perceive this, but can you imagine he's calling you into his service? He's calling all of us to be about what he's given us to do, the measure of grace that each of us has been given to do what he's called us to do. How serious is he about this? He did not make this optional. He looked at his, 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 his disciples. He looked at his own. Now that you have received the Holy Spirit, now that you're born again, here's what I'm telling you. Don't leave the city of Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high, because he's coming to announce you, ordain you with power to be my witnesses. Pentecost. Pentecost. Good Friday is Easter. Don't stop. Easter comes Pentecost. We've got a reason for being here. I remember my wife, Carolyn, she's, um, she's served as a deacon for many years, and she was teaching out in Kentucky, an 84-year-old woman her. When she heard that it was possible to actually live for the ministry and service that the Lord had given her from the foundation of the world, and she said at 84, I'm ready! <laughs> I am so ready! What do you think the Lord has for me? See, the posture of receiving is already there. I say to you also, at least in my experience with the pastoral world, you watch out for 84 year old women. <laughs> you want intercession in the church? Oh my Lord, have mercy. I'm not saying this because what the Lord's teaching us is that the ministry is never done by the flesh. It is done by the Spirit. Ministry is not done by wisdom of men and women. It's not done by relying on self, on how brilliant we are, on how many degrees we have. It's a position and a posture of reliance. And so I'm going to tell you in the strongest language possible, I entirely resent the churches that are deciding and I talk with them all the time to infuse themselves with the business principles of the world to govern the church. But they are. They're doing is that they're taking successful business and trying to make successful business, successful church, so that the church can grow, built on the principles that the, that the world has, has in growth, in business. Oh, you say, oh, no, 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 slow down. Because there really are some really good principles in the world that work. I've got to say to you, what are we relying on? What are we relying on? See, see the thing about, about this is that, is that if, we, if we lend, if we, if we lean ourselves on the wisdom of the world to be able to grow the church, we have lost the understanding that the growth of the church belongs to the head of the church. Life is derivative. It comes from him. And that's why every expanse of the church that's got real medicine to heal the soul have been called revivals down to the age where people start coming alive in Christ. Why? Because they have great preachers, they have great business principles, great scholarship? No, no. They have unction from the spirits of God. 
people that met Jesus. And when they met Jesus, they had talked about Jesus. And pastors started getting up and preaching the Bible, preaching the Word of God. And the Spirit of God took the Word of God and they hide the people. And the people that were dead, church doors, being alive in Christ. And out of the gospel, out of the preaching, out of the anointing, out of the anointing, people laying hands on people, people talking to people, encouraging people, speaking, speaking in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, always upbuilding the body of Christ. Because we as a family have been given to impact the world for Jesus in the strength of his power, in the strength of his I had a pastor call me the other day. He's an associate working in a big church, and he said, I'm under the gun for performance. I've got, I've got every month I have to fill out how many hours it's offered. It's performance, performance. And what's happening inside of him is he's come to that place. I'm going to quote from Galatians 3, 3 right now. Paul asks, having been done by the Holy Spirit, are you being perfected by the flesh? Are you working it out yourself? And he feels under the burden of it. Because our default mode, when something is broken, is we fix it. When we get into a problem, we do something about it. When we come into the church, we're trying to bring the skills of the world to help make it. And I, I, I bet we can make a great organization. And many churches are huge. They have a great organization, great marketing, great communications, great everything. But we didn't come to a place which is called organization. We came to a thing called organism. It's called the body of Christ. It's called relationship with the Lord and with each other. See, the Lord never aspired for big and great. He aspired for humility and compassion and humility and gentleness and patience. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the character of the Lord who is here to serve and to uplift. Does that make sense to you? And so what we're seeing oftentimes today is this desperate cry and desperate need for the healthy church to speak now of the person of God the Holy Spirit, whom the Father has sent, having exalted the Son to his right hand. The Son, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, is now pouring out upon you that which you will see and hear, the gifting and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Upon whom does the Holy Spirit come? Do you want us to answer? Sure. <laughs> I'm not going to answer. Y'all do it. <laughs> yeah, I'll just, if, you, if you watch the way that Joel speaks of it, and, and, and Peter goes to the on men, on women, on servants, on men, on servants, it's coming upon the body of Christ. And so I want to make my to It is so vital and so important <coughs> that the ordinations that we do, that we set apart, and our diligence set apart, our pastors. And that's what we do. We make sure that they know the Word of God, they are mature in the Lord, that they can pastor the flock, that they can shepherd the flock. There's much responsibility and much respect that needs to come to our pastors to serve and to serve well. And they are set apart, and hands are laid upon them for the order of ministry and service. And the ordination that they have is to make sure that the saints of God are equipped. The saints of God are empowered to grow and to mature in the things that belong to the Lord. And therefore, the most important part of that equipping and that training and that discipling is teaching how to receive, 
is how you posture receive him freely. Now receive. Receive the word of God. Receive, receive the, the, the working of the Lord in your life. Grow the things that belong to him. And to what point does it come? It comes to a point when, yes, listen to this. When the ordination comes upon you. In our tradition, we call it confirmation. But you see, we downplay confirmation. I mean, I'm forgetting me. Huh? The tradition I came from, I, was, I came out of the Seventy-Nine Parable. It's in a parable of wrong confirmation because it took the anointing of the sevenfold spirit, the, the prayer of Isaiah 11, the Holy Spirit coming upon the, the person confirmed, being confirmed, and threw it into the baptism covenant. And then wrong all the substance, essentially, of confirmation. What is confirmation? It is first a declaration of faith. We stand up and say, I belong to Jesus. He's done a work in my life. He rescued me. He saved me. I believe in him. I believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, I do. I'm a man saved by Jesus. What's the second thing that confirmation does? I'm a member of the body of Christ. I'm a member of this family. I've been placed and baptized in the universal body of Christ, but I belong here, and I make my commitment to you. I belong to you. You, sorry, belong to me. What's the third thing that happens in confirmation? The laying on of hands. Come, Holy Spirit, in power. Come, Holy Spirit, equip this, this dear son, this dear daughter, with all the gifting that you have for the service you've got planned for them for the foundation of the world. Do you think that's supposed to be just a hand mash and go? Sometimes it is, isn't it? We do assignment. Ooh. You will not suffer in this life. Well, the greatest suffering is you promise me when we get to the Holy Spirit, but I have not, not received anything. See, I want to be able to say, as Jesus told us, wait in the sea until the Spirit of God comes upon us. When Paul arrived in Ephesus, Acts 19, he said, have you all received the Holy Spirit? He said, we didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. And so he taught them, and he prayed, and he laid hands upon them. Why do I say these things? Because it is so important. For me to say to you, we need the empowerment of God, the Holy Spirit, in our lives today. Do you, do you understand that? Because not only did he say he clothed us with power from on high, but when we get to the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, it says that we're in a battle. We're in a battle with, with fiery darts coming at us. Not, not the battle of flesh and blood, but the schemes of the devil that are coming against us, both deceptively and, and straight on the temptations. And you need to put on the armor of Christ. That's how that's how, that's how, that's how it is. The armor. Well, who is the armor? The person of the Holy Spirit. You'll be clothed with power. We need to have the unction of the Spirit of God in us to say no to what the devil wants to do with us. And do you believe that power is available? Well, the worst thing I want to say today is this. Our 11-year-olds need that power. When they're now in a culture that is showing them things they shouldn't see and teaching them things they should never hear. We can't send them out as lambs in the wolves without clothing them with power to know who they are in Christ. Not just depending upon their own flesh, but upon relying on the Lord to have the wisdom and discernment to say, no, I don't do things like this. No, I'm not going here. How will they know unless we know and teach them to know? Jesus said he's not leaving us abandoned. He taught us we'd be born again by water and by the Spirit. He also told us we'd be empowered by the Spirit for ministry. But you see, that means we have to have a posture of helplessness, a posture of receiving. 
And some of us here get scared. Some of us feel like we're not worthy to receive what the Lord has for us. Some of us feel like we're able to handle things on our own. And so, you know what? I like being in control of my life, and I don't want to be in that posture. Pride, fear, a sense of low self-esteem, a sense of too high self-esteem. We, we don't get into that posture to receive But I'm telling you, this is the most beautiful part of what it needs to be in this world today. Is that you and I are here in a family and serve each other and serve each other well and to minister the gifts that are given in the body of Christ. What are the gifts in the body of Christ? Have you read them? 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 Peter 4, Romans 12. These are all gifts and manifestations of the Spirit of God upon us so that the elbow can be the elbow and the thumb can be the thumb and the knee can be the knee so we can be who God has called us to be in St. Philip's everything that we're called to be. Does that make sense to you? Do you want that? Yeah. See, it's not meant to be, by the way, some of you are going to lean toward the Pentecostal side, so you're going to want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Some of you are not. You're acting real like, oh, you're acting real like, even Presbyterian. No, no. We are in control of all. I don't believe this is about denominations. I believe this is about the world spinning in darkness and the church rising to receive the inheritance we've been given in Jesus Christ our Lord. He's come not only to rescue us, but to empower us to serve. As I have been sent, I am sending you. All authority have must be given to you. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. I'm going to be with you always. Is that just for the ordained? Quite no. It's for the ordained to teach us how to be ordained when we go to our workplaces, go to our schools, go out into life. We are the light of Christ. We know how to push back the darkness. We know who we are authentically and real. And this is why we believe a full gospel. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who has rescued us and saved us and called us with a holy call. Not according to our grace, our grace, our power, but according to His power granted to us from all eternity. But it's now been manifest or now been revealed by the appearing of Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Life and immortality to light through the gospel. Guard through the Holy Spirit been entrusted to you, the treasure that's been given. You see, this is why I say to you, the most wonderful piece about the image of the body is that it not only brings healing to our soul and rescues and saves us by the blood, but it also empowers us by the Spirit to fully function as the body of Christ we are. The proper working of each individual part. Dear friend, I need you in the body of Christ. Fully empowered by the Spirit to be you. What is in you, friend? What blocks you? Do you want this? Are you a yes? Are you a baby? Are you a no? Are you wait? Are you a whatever? I'll think about it. I get it. I get it all. But our times 
And God help us if we have a superficial answer back. Those kids going to college need the power of God Almighty upon them to deal with what they've got to deal with. And so it begins with us to be the body of Christ for men to be, to grow up into all aspects into Him who is the head of evil, Jesus taught. From whom we get to be nourished and knit together. We get to, we get to watch and help and serve and, and nourish one another to be who God's made us to be. Oh gosh. I'm and I'm so grateful when I was 19 years old, somebody came and looked me in the eyes and said, I kid you not, looked me in the eyes and said, Have you received the Holy Spirit? And I said, I was confirmed in an acolyte. Does that count? <laughs>
Juno to lift up your pastors and the vestries and, and uh, those who are in leadership for protection, uh, for protection in Jesus' name. And, uh, and the devil's trying to get that, that the way churches to be run under those. Would you pray for your pastors? pray also that you would cover our leadership, our pastors, our vestry, all of us really, all of us who are members of the priesthood of believers, that you would cover us with the armor of God, that we would wear the breastplate of righteousness, carry the shield of faith, wear May our loins be girded with truth and our feet shod with the preparation of peace. Lord, help us to wield the sword of the Spirit, which is your word. And Lord, I pray that we know your word is truth and that it's truth that divides between soul and spirit. Lord, Put a fire in us to be in your word, to memorize your word, to study your word, to be filled up and received from you through your word, that as we have been given, that we also can give as we have received so we can freely give.
the spirit for the common good. I am mindful that you have outlined the giftings, just some of them, that you give to the body of Christ, to each one of us. And I pray, Lord, a hunger inside of us. Would you give the gift of the spirit to me that you have got intended for me, that I might serve
from one to two o'clock, Bishop Warren will be here. So meet with anybody who would like to talk to him about anything, anything that's on your mind, your heart, that's one of the most that he has written. Um, but he will be available from one to two. Please honor that time. Um, but otherwise, enjoy your time with your families. For those of you who are new, if you've never been to New York, you're wondering what do you do in the free time, uh, there are staff members available. Please